This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Nothing happens in a vacuum. You always hear about overnight successes or solo successes. And, you know, this is a very generalized statement, but I don't think those really exist in, in the way people think about them. So just learning that, you know, success doesn't happen in a vacuum and it does take time and also just how much we don't know and being yeah. able to accept and acknowledge some of that ignorance and be able to ask for help and be coachable. You know, I know we know some people and have heard of other people and entrepreneurs in the space that are just sometimes leads to their demise of just being so hard-headed and thinking they're always on the right path and they know everything. But I think we've all obviously done a really good job at not doing that. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Had to travel real far to get here. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Real Real Podcast. I'm not going to do an intro. I'm just going to jump right into it. These are my co-founders, Barella. And Nick is in town. He lives in North Carolina, so had to do the podcast. But I'm very excited because we haven't done a podcast together in a very long time. I think it was before Rella ever was launched. I think the last time I remember it, me being just recording in my room by myself because we were all in separate places at that time. Or no, I was living with you. We were in the same house, but we were in different rooms. So the last time we recorded, we had a podcast for Rella, which I honestly would love to bring back, but it's just too much right now. So I wanted to bring my co-founders on the podcast. One, I just want you guys to get to know them. It's been a minute, but also I think it'll be really fun just to talk about kind of like how we all met, what your guys' thoughts on where we are today since the last time we all recorded together about Rella was before we launched. So we'll just get into it. Okay. First question. How did we meet? I mean, I think put simply, it was it was mutual friends. Nick and I in school, our senior year, decided we wanted to not get an air quotes real job and taught ourselves how to write code and started a software consultancy, which we did for how long? A year and a half, almost two years. And during the course of that, we just kind of did niche software consulting, built applications for people. And through mutual friends, Natalie was looking for someone to build what was then a nameless, faceless, barely idea social media application to which Nick and myself gladly jumped at the opportunity to take her money and (laughs) build an application. Okay, because when I was introduced to you, it was like you guys built this software consultancy, like you guys developed apps for these other startups in Raleigh. And like I had spoke with a lot of other engineers from like these random like freelance websites, but I didn't really like any of them. And also a lot of them, when I came to them with the idea, they were like, yeah, we can do this in like three months. And I just knew I was like, I just don't think that that's right. Like I felt like what if something goes wrong? I want some changes. Like, am I just going to blow $10,000 or $20,000, whatever they would have quoted me, and then had like a not usable product because I didn't have anyone like actively working on it. And so I just had like gut feeling not to go with someone like that. So when I talked to you, Connor, because you were the first person I talked to, you were the one I kept asking. I was like, okay, how much is this going to cost? How long is this going to take? Like, give me the answers. And you were like, I don't know. (laughs) And you just like did not have an answer for any of those. But 
it actually made me more reassured because I was like, okay, you're being honest that this is something that's going to be like a work in progress. You're not just like bullshitting me and being like, oh, three months, $10,000 pay up. Yeah, I think that's something we honestly saw a lot of. And we've heard stories of other people talk about, you know, getting quotes from consultancies and especially people that there's this common misconception that if you want an app built, people have in their brand, I think you did as well. Um, you want a product built, I can just shell out some money, get it built, get it handed back to me. And then that's it. Yeah. Never have to, that's definitely never what I have to do with code again, whatever. Just build this for me. Here's some money. Do it. Which really is not the case. And you know, we've seen more than once people who would get quoted, just shell out a bunch of money and then not get what was delivered, which I know we've talked about before. So we just relied on our you know accountability and, and being personable and being honest with the people that came to us, namely, you know, you. Yeah. That we were figuring it out as we went. We didn't know the full scope of things and we just kind of started on that journey. Yeah. And Nick, I didn't meet you until like, I think a few months later. I mainly communicated with Connor. So what were your first thoughts when Connor came to you that like, we're working on this? Yeah, it was just another thing. And like the day in the life of collab was someone would kind of have a lead somewhere. And then be like, all right, I'm going to talk to him and see what like if it's going to go anywhere. That's what the first couple meetings was. And after a while, I was like, I think this is a pretty good idea. Like, you should hop on meter and just see where this thing goes. And from there, it's a project we really liked and saw potential in. And I think we always started to collab with the idea of let's find a project we want to sink our teeth into. And it was definitely a new industry that we saw and never knew anything about, but we consumed it every day. So it was really interesting to us in that perspective and kind of get some insight onto the other side of that. But yeah, at the end of the day, it was just a couple meetings and then after the first couple of meetings, it's kind of like a blur. And then all of a sudden, Rella happened to me. Yeah. So I, I really I don't forget. Remember. I forget what happened in between, but I knew I remember those first meetings and then we were like incorporated. So it's a fun journey and a fast journey, really. Yeah. I really don't remember that much that happened before we like decided to work together. Cause I know in the beginning, I was paying you guys to help like with the initial designs. Yeah. More money than we had ever made. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't keep any of it either. I think we gave it all to like Natasha and Louie, who are now our full-time designer and engineer. And so Connor and Nick already knew Natasha and Louie and Tess. And so I got super lucky because I knew I wanted to build this, but like I didn't have people to actually like help me bring it to life. So meeting you guys was nice because you guys already had the designers. And that's also another thing I was like, okay, I'm glad you guys have designers because the other engineers I was talking to, they didn't a lot of them. Like I would have had to hire a UX designer separately to give to them. Yeah, Green kind of was a blur. I mostly equate it to that classic Spider-Man meme of everybody just pointing at each other, which I think that's what it was. One day we were all just <laughs> kind of thinking, <laughs> we're in the circle. <laughs> I think we should make this into something more long term is, is really what it came down to. It was yes. no, we hadn't, not that I remember, we hadn't premeditated any, let's come up with this plan and bring it to her and, and look to start a company. And I kind of think it was the same from your end too. Yeah. It was really organic, just happened Yeah. one day. Mm-hmm. I'm a big journaler. And I have old journal entries. I like wrote down like the very beginning days of working on it together. And so it's cute to look back on. Yeah, we probably have some journal entries of why is this girl giving us all this money to to build this thing for? I don't remember how much I spent in the beginning. Uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't it wasn't that much, but we were, you know, pretty early on. So it was it was a lot to us. Yeah. 
Well, okay. You mentioned this earlier. After college, you didn't get a quote unquote real job, like a corporate job. You started your own thing in college and did that. Why did you guys want to do that? I feel like the majority of college students, especially like engineering majors, they get that degree so that they can go off and get a high paying job. Like, why do you take the route that's like a low paying job, risky working for yourself? Our answers might be a little different, but I'll go first. Well, I, unlike Nick, had no job offers out hey, of school. Hey, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> well, well, I also, Why am I working with this guy? I also didn't really apply to any jobs. So that was definitely, definitely a part of it. I was also applying to jobs way out of my realm of what I went to school for. So I was applying to software jobs, but I went to school for electrical engineering. Yeah. So I had no, quote unquote, you know, relevant experience in school to do that. And mainly for me, it was I did... I studied electrical engineering, had an internship at a large electrical engineering firm, what would have been, you know, my future. I think I had a little looking glass into the future and it was just not, not what I wanted to do, did not excite me, not what I wanted for my life. So hit the books, learned how to, to write software and then found some other people that were delusional enough to join me and, and do that. Well, <laughs> our answers are going to be a little similar in the meeting where I had a couple internships throughout high school and then college where I was working for a big fortune 500 company that like it was just it was a very good experience but not one that I wanted to kind of do for the rest of my life it was a company that my dad had worked for for 35 years and then like I applaud him for doing that because I couldn't do that same thing for 35 years and didn't want to be stuck behind a cubicle all day and the whole mantra of of that and then COVID hit and our senior year kind of just wasn't really as serious as it should have been. And all our professors were like, we don't know what to do. You're going to get a really light course load. So then next thing you know, Connor's kind of knocking on my door like, hey, like, do you want to know or learn how to do software? Um, oh, you didn't know how to code at this point either? Well, well, we did, but not software applications. All of my base classes uh, were done in C and JavaScript. And but you learned because Connor came up to you, not on your, you learned on your own. You learned because he asked you. Yeah, I knew the basics of coding and he knew that I had some sort of skill in it from school, but I did most of my teaching after where I took some Udemy courses. I learned the basics of like front end application. Yeah, YouTube University and Did you and do the Code just, Academy Academy? I tried that called? for a little bit. Honestly, Udemy was the best one that had like the best crash courses. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. 
Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heiress Tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. How would you rank yourself right now compared to back then in terms of like what you know about software? It's one of those things where what you know, in my opinion, only goes so far as the experience you have. So then when starting out, we didn't have a lot of experience. So you're so you don't know what you don't know. You, yeah. You're so narrow in this realm of the things that you've been exposed to. And, you know, at least when I started, I think I gave Nick some of the books as well. It was just books and YouTube. But you only ever know to look up what either somebody tells you what you've heard before. Yeah. So you're so limited by that. And then when we started to actually get into building things, especially with Rella, there was all of these things that we came across and we still do that, you know, we're not really sure how that works. Let's figure it out. Take the time to learn it, reach out to resources, our network, you know, other people that have a lot longer of experience in the space that we do and, and reach out to them for help. But yeah, definitely a, a huge learning curve and learning every day. But I think at least for us, it was the best way to get into it. I've heard that before, too. I talked to someone earlier today who said the same thing where he just took like a course to learn how to code. And he would go to these startups and he's like, they would ask him, like, can you build me this? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he was like, OK, well, I'm going to figure it out now. Yeah. Like, I said yes, so I'm going to learn. But before that, he didn't know. He just like said yes. And then it kind of like forced him to really figure it out. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, too. You know, I've talked to people even very recently that maybe are considering to work at a startup or a company that's, you know, outside of their realm of, of expertise. And that there definitely is that switch you need to flip between I'm going to dive into this not knowing exactly 100% how I'm going to do it or 
I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like I'm adept enough in whatever area it is to dive in. And I think in our shoes, when we started, it was <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, I think that's honestly the best way to do it. It's kind of just like throwing your kid in the water and like they'll swim. Like it's like that's the best way, just forcing yourself to learn. Did you guys get pushback, though? Like I know you said your dad worked at a company for 35 years. So I'm assuming you didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. No, I mean, in the beginning, it was more of like I told him I got a job offer. He was super excited. And it's not like he was disappointed or mad. It was more of the encouragement of like, so you're going to start looking for jobs again? Are you going to do like yeah. kind of that thing? So it's, it was never like a disapproval. It was more of a like, I bet you in the back of his mind, he was a little worried. Like, I just put you through school. You're going to go off and not get a job like you're supposed to do. And again, not disapproval, but more of just uh, like, maybe you should start looking for a backup plan. Yeah. What about you, Connor? You don't come from entrepreneurs. No, I, I don't at all. I think my experience was more so just... I was extremely lucky, I and mean, I think we all were, to have a very supportive, you know, families behind us, and that's kind of where mine was. Was hey, give it a shot. When else would you try this besides fresh out yeah. of college during COVID? I was injured at the time too, so I was at home anyway. Yeah. So sh- screw it. Like just give it a shot. If not, you always got a place to come back and sleep on the couch at home. <laughs> so, yeah. Because yeah. we didn't make money for yeah. a long time. Nick and I were on the the ramen whatever <laughs> diet for. You guys live together, right? Yeah. How much was your rent in Raleigh? You just need to say that because it's like so cheap. I mean, especially now you live in Miami. Wilmington obviously isn't. $395. Less than $400 (laughs) a month. That's really nice. That's. I mean, it was the only way we made it possible. That that was the only thing that made it possible. No, but yeah, that's like crazy. But yeah, no, I agree. Like without my family's support, I definitely would not be able to do it. Like, I'm talking like emotional support. You know, if they were constantly like in my ear being like, what are you doing? This is stupid. This is not going to work. You need to find something else. I definitely would have not pursued it. Like I would have felt so much pressure to not pursue it. So my situation was a little different because I did do social media. Like, I was doing that full time already. So to start this, I put a lot of my own money into it. So I think my parents were like, are you sure you want to invest this much money into this. And I was like, yes, because it's going to pay me back times 100 in the future. Yeah. And I think for us too, we also had the, I consider it a benefit to having not made any money out of school and just gone into this immediately and continued to not make money. I think it's a lot harder for people who get, I mean, golden handcuffs is a real thing. You get out of college, you start to taste money for the first time, you're finally making a salary and have some sort of security. And it's really hard to leave that. So we just decided to continue our lack of money <laughs> and our lack of security. I mean, it's definitely paid off. I mean, just with the experience and just what we're able to do every yeah, day. I definitely agree. And then when we started Rella, obviously the first moments were kind of a blur, but what were your expectations? Like, did you expect to be here three years later recording this podcast in our office in Miami? <laughs> like, what were your expectations? Did you expect us to raise money? Did you expect us to have, like, be where we are today, I guess? Okay. Yeah. So similar to when Connor asked me about the consultancy and just joining all of that, it was more of, I didn't have a clear end goal for why I was joining or why I was doing it or any expectations whatsoever. I'm kind of, I think that's just part of my personality where I'm more go with the flow. And I just didn't, yeah, I didn't have any expectations, but I did not expect to be where we are now. I think the raising was a little bit surreal for me, kind of going through those motions and then now being at the point again where 
we're going to want to raise again soon. And having a product, like a great product out there that's an actual working app on the App Store is also an accomplishment of Connor and I's that we didn't get through the consultancy. So that's surreal. Going through those motions and not even knowing how that process worked and figuring it out. Yeah, I definitely did not expect. Look, I think for me, I didn't even know what raising money meant. I have never met anyone that had raised money in the past. I've never met anyone that worked in venture capital. I didn't know anyone that even like founded a tech company. So for me, I was like so unaware of what it meant. I didn't know what evaluation was. I like I didn't know anything. So the first thing I did, I remember when I kind of realized, I think you guys honestly brought it to my attention that we should probably raise. Like, I think you guys are like, this is an app that like needs to raise money. And like, I didn't necessarily want to at first, but then, yeah, obviously developing an app is really expensive. So I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense to raise and like where it's going to go makes sense for us to raise. And so that's when I started thinking about like how big this could be, because I don't think anyone should go into raising money just because you need money. It should be like if it can be a very big product, like if this can be a $100 million company, that's the only reason why you should raise. So I think that's the moment when I started thinking a lot bigger and just being like, okay, I'm going to research this and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's in terms of answering the the question, I definitely don't, I'm not really sure where I thought it would go. I think there's that kind of level of, you don't realize how far you've come until you are somewhere. And then you look back at where you were before is kind of the strange, the strange piece of it. And also just taking it day by day, I think looking too far ahead and thinking about the potential all the time can be very overwhelming and kind of just certain days rolling with the punches and seeing where you go and then taking that time. I know with the past couple, some of the events we've had, I've tried to stop and kind of have a moment of reflection with the whole team to stop and just appreciate, you know, how far we've come, where we started. And it's kind of in those moments, I think that you realize, okay, how far we've come. Because in the day to day, you get so caught up in everything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're very reflective, Connor. I try to be. But I'm very reflective when I think about being reflective. Other than that, it's just like, go, 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 which is why I try and stop every once in a while. Mm -hmm. How would you describe in like a few words every member of the team? Like what's their character trait or their personality trait? From my perspective? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Then you can go, Nick. I'll go last. (laughs) Um, Nick is kind of the quiet mystery man in the corner but he's he, he's kind of the found one of the found, one of the found, he's a he is one of the foundational members of the team but he's kind of the glue of everybody i would say nick is always the the moderator yeah, mediator he sits in the middle of yeah. us i think yeah nick is definitely the remains cool-headed where natalie and i can butt heads sometimes natasha and tess are just the absolute chillers of the team i feel like <laughs> They're always just have a smile on their face, you know, happy, just always, you know, enjoying work. Louis is the straightforward, Louis is a tell it how it is guy. Yeah. Louis is an angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, today's National Friendship Day, and he messaged me on Slack and said, where are you? What's your phone number? And is there any place that sells donuts around you? That's so sweet. He sent us donuts before one time, too. It was so nice. Yeah, it was when we were all in person. Yeah, Raleigh. when we were all in person. I was like, what? You do not need to do that. Uh, Buenos Aires. You, Natalie, are the just, you know, annoying itch that you can't mm-hmm. scratch. Yep. <laughs> I've gotten that before. <laughs> No, definitely a, a great leader and I provide the 
perspective that I think none of us fully obviously have as much experience in. So providing that side of things is extremely beneficial. And then me, I'm basically the key to success. Right. Essentially. A hundred percent. I would say the same exact thing. I am him. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, we have such a diverse team in terms of attitudes and where people are from and skill sets that it's really, really worked out well. Yeah. Okay, Nick, you can just describe me and Connor. You don't need to do the whole team. I think we agree with Connor on the team. Yeah, the rest of the team is is amazing. We've gotten super lucky with them. But yeah, in terms of you and Connor, I'll start with Connor first then. Definitely the visionary, as much as we might hate that word. I think he's the dreamer, the one that is kind of going to shoot for the moon. And I would agree that I'm the one that is going to have to reel him back in most of the time. But yeah, I mean, super smart and driven. And you definitely are like a, like you just want to constantly learn. I think you're a, like a bookworm in the way of tech. So Natalie, obviously another quote unquote visionary, but more of like the, you're like the North Star for us, I think, in terms of you've been a very good leader and with the industry knowledge that you have, it's easy to follow your direction because I mean, it's not like we trust you blindly, but I think in the beginning we weren't necessarily sure how credible you were, but now you've kind of (laughs) Definitely proven your worth in terms of like, we've learned so much from you and just in, in terms of the industry. And then, yeah, definitely the itch that you can't scratch is okay. because there are some things that we know are going to be good, but technically in our technical and logical minds, it's just hard for us to like give them a shot because we know how much work it's going to take or we know it's going to be good, but there's X, Y, and Z to think about on the backside of it. So, Yeah. I feel like I am always going to be the one that's going to come up to you guys and be like, let's do this, this, and this, because I'm only thinking from this like, can't business. take that long, right? Okay, I've, I've gotten be better. Easy. I've gotten better, and I don't say that anymore. Do I? You've gotten better. Mm-hmm. That used to annoy them a lot is when I would present something, I'd be like, oh, like, this should be really easy, or like, this shouldn't take that long of like a new thing that we're adding or a fix. And they would just want to like rip my head off because I don't know tech. So, how would I know if it's easy? Okay, I'll describe you guys quickly. Connor, I agree with like the visionary, like thinking big, bookworm, annoying a little bit, actually. I'm going to take that from you because sometimes yeah. you can definitely, again, I think you embrace it. Like if Connor has something in his head that he wants us to do, he will not stop talking about it. And it's going to be one of those things where it's like, he'll bring something up, be like, guys, we need to do this. And then it's like, okay, yeah, let's start working on it. And he's like, oh, we're not moving fast enough. We got to do that. And I'm like, dude, you Fully just aware. brought it yeah. up. And now you've brought it up like 10 times. Like, what do you want us to do in the next like 10 minutes? So the best, the best is when I've openly ignored something or some, maybe you had suggested or you had suggested we should do something. And three weeks before that, I'd be like, no, it's not that important. Then I'll read a book uh-huh. and I'll come and I'll just be gung-ho. Yeah, that's happened a few it. times. I'll like bring something up and it's like, okay, like we'll get to that. And then Connor reads it and he becomes obsessed. And it's like his great idea. And I'm like, okay, look at the Slack three weeks ago and we can credit that to me. And then Nick, you're very heads down, like hard worker, gets things done quickly. And I feel like you don't ever like complain. Like, I don't know if you have much to complain about, but I don't hear you complaining a lot. So do you hear him? Com- Maybe Connor hears him complaining more. No, you're more self-critical. I always have been. Yeah. Yeah. You don't come like you're very just like, okay, this is going to get done. And you are very heads down and do it. 
So I think that's good. But yeah, we have a very like well-rounded team, which is, I think, really beneficial. And then I know, I think I remember asking you guys this in the first podcast that we did like forever ago. And it was, if you knew how hard this would be, would you do it? Like, would you start it? Like, if if you knew how difficult it would be, would you actually start Rella again? I always say probably not because it's like, not that I regret starting it at all, but like in the beginning, you have the benefit of being naive where it's like, okay, how hard can this be? Let me just get out there and do it. Versus if you knew in the beginning, oh, this is going to be really hard. You're going to spend this many months doing this. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You're just going to be like, okay, I'm going to find something else. Like, I'm not going to do it. I would say that. But what's, I guess, like the hardest thing that you've had to learn or like the biggest lesson that you've had to learn in the past two years? That's a good one. I think the hardest lesson really is, this is a cliche, but good things take time. And you don't realize how long things take, whether that was funding, whether that's like developing a new feature or like getting a product out there and a feature that like people are raving about. It's it's just good things take time and it, it's not just going to come to you. you it's going to take hard work. You really have to think about it with a purpose. And part of it, you do wing it. You do throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But then I think we're getting to the point now where we're realizing like you really have to move with a purpose and then analyze those moves with the same purpose and the same kind of all right, so what do we do wrong and what do we need to do to improve? And being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's one good thing about us as co-founders is I feel like we've been really honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we need to go and what we're doing good and what we're not doing good. So I know that's a multi-part answer, but I think, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. takes time being honest with yourself and takes hard work. Yeah, I mean, I would say something along the same lines, just that nothing happens in a vacuum. You always hear about overnight successes or solo successes and you know, this is a very generalized statement, but I don't think those really exist in in the way people think about them. So just learning that, you know, success doesn't happen in a vacuum and it does take time and also just how much we don't know and being able to accept and acknowledge some of that ignorance and be able to ask for help and be coachable. You know, I know we know some people and have heard of other people and entrepreneurs in the space that are just sometimes leads to their demise of just being so hard headed and thinking they're always on the right path and they know everything. But I think we've all obviously done a really good job at not doing that. But yeah, just acknowledging ignorance, knowing there's a lot out there that we don't know, asking for help, and that you really can't do it alone. Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me, the biggest lesson is that it's okay to not know everything. And I think the biggest surprise to me was what you were saying with how much out there it is unknown. Because like at this point, you're two years in. I wish that I could say I know all the thoughts about our customers and every single use case out there and what everyone's doing and like data and analytics and, you know, all of these tools help. But there's still so much unknown and users and customers are so unpredictable. And then also everything just takes longer than you think, like Nick was saying. So it's just being comfortable with like being okay with not knowing everything. I think is the biggest thing because I would think at this point, oh, yeah, I know our users so well, you know, and like, yeah, we know our users, but there's always so many surprises and so many things that you just are so unaware of. So, yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing that surprised me, I guess. Yeah, it's a whole like strong opinions held loosely. I think things also change so often and what we thought what was true. Yeah. Quote unquote to us a month ago. Yeah. Might not be anymore. When people ask me you know, like how to start a business or what it's like to be, you know, an entrepreneur, work for yourself. I think the number one character trait is adaptability. 
And I think in a way it's also like impulsivity, like being impulsive to just do things and jump first and figure things out later. Because I think if you think too hard about it, you're probably not going to do it. And adaptability, being okay with being like, okay, I was wrong. Next. Directed delusion. Directed delusion. That's good. Where do you read that? I know <laughs> shit that? just came up with really? that as you were talking. Never read you that You should anywhere. write a book. <laughs> but I like it a lot. You Double should write D, that down. Directed delusion. You should write that down and that should be the title of the book that you eventually write. That'd be sick. Write it down. I want to help you write it because there'll be a lot of misspellings. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like stuff like this, people always talk about like in hypotheticals or in like big picture type stuff. And you don't really learn unless you start doing it. So yeah. to your point where if, if you're always blocked by like the what ifs or it's not the right time or something like that, you're never really going to learn what it's like to build your own company or build your own product or whatever it is you want to do. And I think that's the biggest lesson that you can take from doing something like this is where it's like if you just do it, you'll figure it out. No yeah. matter if you don't know. I always say that what you don't know. When, if people ask me what's the first step I should take, I'm like, just start researching, talk to people, like just do something. Cause if it's only in your head, you will never get anything done. And I know we were talking about this yesterday. We were like, if someone always wants to do something, but then they don't do it. Like the first thing you need to do is just like take a step. Like that's it. Like it could be the smallest step. It could be a step and then it ends up not working. But like, if you just talk about doing something, but you never do anything to get it done, it's just never going to happen. Like, it's just, what do you, no one, there's no, like, fairy godmother that's just going to, like, poof, okay, here you go, for just, like, thinking about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the problem of, before you start, there's a million things you could do, and a million things you want to do, and I think that's the overwhelming part that prevents people. There's so many things to do that you end up doing nothing. Yeah. So Which, it's choosing that one or two things to yeah. just do. I get that a lot now in the day to day. If I have like a huge laundry list of things to do, I just like don't know where to start. And I'm like, feel paralyzed by like not starting. And you just like the second you cross one thing off the list, it's like kind of like opens the floodgates and you do everything else. And I also think we, we still do this, but not, also not being afraid to do something bad the first time. I think about the first pitch deck we put together. Oh my God. It's it was actually horrific. embarrassing. Yeah. It's actually really embarrassing. I think the pursuit of perfection can also be almost paralyzing because mm -hmm. you want it to be perfect. You want it to be up to the fidelity of everybody else. But what people don't realize is they've been doing it for years yeah. and they started on that first draft is always terrible. I always say like for people wanting to do social media and they're like, oh, I just like the first video was so bad. I'm like, don't compare your first video. Go back video. and look at Natalie's first video. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's still up. I'm just saying, don't compare your first video to someone's hundredth video. Like, it's the same thing. Like, your first MVP is not going to look the same as a company that's been in business for five years or even one year. Like, it's going to look totally different. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and that's for anything. Like, I just picked up a tennis racket for the first time. I suck. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's getting over that. I think that level of embarrassment that goes with things because your first video, you're probably putting a lot of effort into it. You're putting a lot of yourself into it. And, and it's, it's most bad. likely going to suck. Yeah. It's just getting <laughs> beyond this. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think we make a very good team, though. We all get along. I think team is so crucial. There's so many founders that the startup goes under because founding team problems. And we just got really lucky. And I think it's because we have like very open communication and we're very honest with each other and it helps because we're also just friends which is really nice because we actually like hang out and like have fun together and tell each other personal stuff so 
that's nice. I think we all just all want to do this. I think that is too. a big piece of it. And yeah. that you can't really design for that or prepare for that. Strangely, it was just we're all still happy with what we're doing and believe in what we're doing and don't hate each other. Yeah. I, I just think it's like you hear about stories of people who, you know, one of the founders or founding team just realized it wasn't for them or lost passion or got an offer somewhere else or, you know, just any of the above. Yeah. Um, we've just kept believing. Yep, we did. I'm glad we did this episode. Anything else you guys want to share or talk about? Yeah, just, I mean, closing statements to add on to <laughs> closing, closing statements. Closing statements. So proper. Um, I, I do think we do complement each other well in our personalities. And they're, I think Connie said it yesterday. So if anyone gets mad about this, I'm throwing you under the bus. But this industry does attract a lot of egotistical kind of, I feel like, hot 100%. I was talking about that with the guy I met up with this morning. Mm -hmm. He was like asking me to introduce him to people. He's like, do you find that like tech founders are just kind of like assholes? Yeah. I was like, yeah, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I don't really have many friends in this industry. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's another aspect of that we just got like with no one has like a huge ego hanging over their head saying like, I'm better than you, what my way or the highway type thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, great. Thanks, guys, for coming on my podcast. Did you like it? Do you like your second or third podcast experience? Yeah, I'm thinking about firing up my own. You should. Yeah. I think I'm entertaining. Yeah, this is my second podcast. So don't judge me by this one. I know I'm not the best public speaker. <laughs> <laughs> is it less scary because it's just a mic? with us rather than like actual audience like public speaking mm -hmm. uh yeah i'd say so thousands of people will listen to this millions tens of thousands hopefully yeah hopefully <laughs> well i'm doing a rebrand so this is like part i'm trying to like be more the the real real rebrand <laughs> the real real rebrand <laughs> the real real rebrand with rella <laughs> lots of r's in there it's called <laughs> So this is going to be part of like the more casual episodes, trying to make them more casual, like navigating adulthood type stuff. I feel like this falls in line with that. Well, yeah, Connor and I are going to start a competing podcast. I haven't come up with a name yet, but. The Rella Reel? <laughs> it will be a lot more fun than this. <laughs> this wasn't fun for you? Yeah, Nick and I, Nick and I haven't, haven't reached adulthood yet. So I don't know if it'd be the best for the Real Real rebrand. <laughs> What's your podcast going to be about? It has to be anonymous. It has to be. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I think just navigating adulthood more casually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to follow us, you can follow at Rella Social. You can follow me at Natalie Barbu. At Connor underscore Boyce. Mine's at Nick Kane 15, <laughs> but the K shared between the Nick and the K. Oh. So, and I see K A N E. Mm. I honestly didn't realize that. It's a cool uh, play on. I'd hook it up if I even did that still. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed. And don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. 
At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.